And all God's people said, well, after that, we could almost just leave and go to lunch. Uh, but the Lord's been working on me this week, so I'm going to make you sit through this. If you want to go ahead and get ready in your Bibles, the, uh, the text for this morning is Galatians 5, 13 through 15. I'll be using that later in the message, so if you want to turn to that. Myself ready here, and then we'll get moving. So people can be cruel. People are downright mean, disrespectful, and rude to each other. We see this all the time in our daily lives. Humankind is not kind. We fight over whose sports team is better, whose political views are right. We fight over money, family estates. We criticize each other. We, we insult each other. We spread lies. We're deceitful. There's cruelty in this world that defies reason. Nazi Germany, apartheid in South Africa. September the 11th, 2001. The Parkland shooting, and then just recently, the shooting in Pensacola at the Naval Air Station. But this isn't just limited to the secular world. Churches fight over things also. Color of the carpet, color of the walls, what picture to hang in the foyer of Jesus. Some of the more recent ones I've heard, the more weird ones I guess I've heard, is they fight over the length of the pastor's beard. You don't have to worry about that. <laughs> they fought over whether to use land that they purchased as a playground for the children or a cemetery for the dead. I'll let you figure that one out. They also argue over what type of coffee to serve at the reception. Churches have actually split over that issue. We bicker all the time. So what are Christians to make of all this? Is there anything we can do that can affect change or is this just the way it is? The world's turned so sour that there's no turning it around. God's left us and there's nothing we can do. We aren't the first to experience this kind of pain and this kind of backbiting. The churches at Galatia were having similar problems. Paul, in his first mission to Asia Minor, started the churches in Galatia. After he left, the secular world started to, to filter into them and, to the, and the Jewish uh, philosophy started filtering back into the church. Paul was preaching that Jesus died for us all and that works were not going to do anything for us. But yet the Jewish leaders there were still trying to use the old Mosaic law and works were important in the old Mosaic law. The Christians in that age and that church were tearing each other apart over that issue. So let's listen to what God told them through Paul at the time. In Galatians 5, 13 through 15, you, my brothers and sisters, are called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. 
This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We are called into freedom because we are called into the grace of Jesus Christ. This is what the Wiresby Commentary talks about. It. This is how they talk about this verse. We are free from guilt of sin because, God, because of God's forgiveness. We are free from the penalty of sin because of Christ's death on the cross. And we are free from the power of sin because of the Holy Spirit. You see, freedom plus love equals service. But freedom without love is a license for us to do whatever we want. Christian freedom isn't a license to sin. It is an opportunity to serve. We aren't told that we should continue to sin because God's going to forgive it. The power of the Holy Spirit is going to get us through it. And Christ's death on the cross is, gets, us, gets us away from the penalty. That's not what this is about. That freeness means that we have taken the whole point of this and said we are going to turn away from our lives as we have it today and make a change. And that change gives us an opportunity to serve one another. Our serving one another is not to check a box to say we did something great. It's not out of obligation. It's not, it's not to better ourselves or boast about what we have done. We're to serve each other out of love for each other. Humble service for the glory of God is where true pleasure comes from. We credit Cruet Kathy for implementing the my pleasure response we often hear at Chick-fil-A. Kathy actually got this idea while staying at a Ritz-Carlton when he thanked one of the staff members for helping him. He was expecting either no response or you're welcome. But what he got was, it was my pleasure. He thought that that gave the feeling that the staff really wanted to help him and not out of obligation. They truly wanted to help him. He wanted his restaurant patrons to feel the same thing. So he implemented it in all of his stores, and that's why you hear every time you go to Chick-fil-A, my pleasure. But what's happened with that, if you've noticed over time, you get that at other stores. You get that in other venues. I'm starting to hear it every time I, I tell somebody thank you. If they are truly doing it out of the pleasure to do it for me, then they're doing it for God. And I'm going to assume when I hear that that that's what they're doing. It's not up to me to figure that out. Jesus tells us to love our neighbor as ourselves, to try to help others as if it were our needs. You know we're all this way. If you're going to do something for yourself, you're going to give it everything you have to get it right. And sometimes if we do something for others, we just halfway get it right just to make them happy. That's not the intent here. Jesus wants you to love your neighbor as yourself and to serve your neighbor as yourself, meaning if you're going to do it for them, do it as if you were going to do it for yourself. Give it all you have. And if you do that and you do it for the glory of God, you will be doing it for the right reasons. I have tried to remember that in my life. Um, I'm not saying I'm great at it. Sometimes I forget, and we all have trouble remembering things sometimes, but we all should implement that so that we can further the kingdom of God. Loving your neighbor as yourself means you, want to, you, will, you will not steal from them. 
lie about them, envy them, deceive them in any way, criticize them, or try to hurt them. Loving your neighbor means you're doing it for their, for their well-being. In the last part of the, of, of the text, John says, or Paul, I'm sorry, Paul says, stop the backbiting or you'll destroy yourself. That's kind of what we're seeing today in our society. We're at each other's throats, and by doing that, we're forgetting the reason we're supposed to be here, and we're falling apart. We're falling apart in our governments, in our schools, in some home lives. We see our country falling apart because we forgot the fact that we are supposed to be here for each other and not for ourselves. So what does all of this have to do with affecting change in our world today? How do you do that? How can this little church change our world? How can just a few people make such a difference that it creates global change? Well, here's your answer. This is what you've been waiting on. I know you're ready, right? One God-glorifying, selfless act of service at a time. One God-glorifying, selfless act of service at a time. Well, what does that look like? We need not look any further than Jesus Christ. He set the ultimate example for how we do this. He showed us to have love and serve one another in these ways. Jesus came to serve and not to be served. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He gave the mute a voice. He mourned with us. He celebrates with us. And with loving, with great pleasure, he gave his life to save ours. He also showed us that we must love and serve from the heart and not out of obligation. That's our example. Years ago, when I was a kid, and when Mark was a kid, and when Matt was in diapers, we had a pool. And one of the games that we played in that pool was to see how much water we could get out of that pool simply by jumping in it. <laughs> so all of my friends and I would get together, and we'd get on the diving board, and one after the other, we'd jump in the pool, splashing water out as we go. And the goal was to get the water down low enough that the skimmers would be sucking air. Now, you know, my, my mother tells me she didn't know we were doing this. I don't know how in the world she didn't figure that out. But that was the goal. So think of the water as evil and think of us as service. The more service we provide, the more water we get out of the pool. The more water gets splashed out of the pool. It also looks like this. Olympic runner Nikki Hamlin, who was a 5,000 meter runner from New Zealand, was in a race for the Olympics. She accidentally bumped into U.S. runner Abby D'Agostino. Nikki stopped and helped Abby up. Nikki cared more about her, her than Nikki cared more about Abby than she did herself in winning the race. They finished the race together in dead last. They did move on to the quarterfinals, but it was Nikki's pleasure to help. Splash. It's a thousand strangers sending birthday cards to Haley Sorensen. Haley was an 18-year-old autistic young lady who invited 
all of her friends to a birthday party. None of them showed. So Haley's cousin posted a photo of Haley and asked people to send her birthday wishes. 10,000 strangers took pleasure in making an autistic girl's birthday special by sending cards and letters. 10,000 strangers made her day special, and they took pleasure in that. Splash. At Scott Dunn's high school, Scott was in a serious car accident just before his high school graduation. When he woke up from a coma, he realized that he had missed the one day he had been work working for his entire life. While he was recovering, his principal called the parents and said that his high school class wanted to do something special for Scott. So they recreated his graduation. They put on their caps and their gowns. They all gave the same speeches. But when it came time to receive diplomas, only Scott's name was called. He went across the stage and got his diploma, thereby getting to do what he had always wanted to do. Scott's class took pride in making his day better. They fulfilled that promise to him. Splash. It's Kylie Fornison getting a date to the homecoming dance. Daniel Rivas was born with Down syndrome and desperately wanted to go to the dance. Of course, as you can tell, Every girl he asked out turned him down. But not Kylie. She didn't wait for him to ask her. She asked him. She took pleasure in making Daniel's day that much brighter. Splash. You see where we're headed? It's my son's pace. One day we picked him up from school, and we asked him the same questions we ask him every day. How was your day? Do you have any homework? Did you turn in your homework? He's a middle schooler, so those of you who've had middle schoolers know how hard that is to get out of them. On this particular day, though, the question on how your day was surprised both me and April. He said he was sad. Not sure why that is. So April, of course, quizzed him. And he said that he walked, he noticed that his history teacher, who was on bus duty that day, was crying. And he walked up to her and he said, what's wrong? And she said, my dad's dying, and I want to spend the last days he has with him, so I'm going to go there this weekend. That made Pace sad. But it also made him happy knowing that he served his teacher. He reached out to his teacher. He didn't just stand there and watch her cry. He didn't ignore her. He made her day a little bit better because a 12-year-old kid wanted to know how she was. Pace took pleasure in that. Splash. Just this week, I was in Orlando, and my friend Jeff Slagle and I were having breakfast, and we had just gotten our breakfast, and the waitress came by, and I asked Jeff, I said, can we bless the meal? And he said, certainly. When the waitress walked up to find out how things were, Jeff looked at her and said, we're about to bless our meal and pray. Is there anything we can pray for for you? And she thought she stopped a minute and didn't quite know what to say. And I could see tears welling up in her eyes. And she said, you know, there is something. 
My cousin's husband has just been called to Iraq. We don't know how this is going to end, but we're scared. Would you pray for him? So when we bowed our heads, we prayed for Joey, for the waitress, for her family, to let her know that God was with her. And no matter the outcome, it would be okay. It's things like that. It's when we reach out and serve each other out of love for each other that we give God the glory. We glorify God in all of these actions. Splash. We're getting rid of the evil in our lives. We're getting rid of the evil in our country. One God-glorifying, selfless act of service at a time. You cannot get away from God's work when God is working through your life. When you look to him and ask for the really things that you can do to make your life better and to make somebody else's life better, we all win. Because God is now working in our lives more so than he ever has. We've experienced this in the, in the recent months. We all know those times when the hurricane came through. People came to see us. People in Tennessee are, are, are hurting today because of a tornado in Tennessee. But it's people, it's Christians who want to do God's will, who let God work in their lives, that reach out to them and make their life just a little bit better because God is demanding that you do his will for his glory. That makes it just that much better. It's not about us. It's not about growing this church. It's not about making our lives better. It's not about finances. It's about God. And the work that God can do in each of our lives. If we just let him do it. And use us for his glory. Revelations tells us he's coming again. And he's going to defeat all the evil on this earth. And those of us who are in his will. Are going to go live with him in glory. In that new Jerusalem, pay, uh, streets paved with gold. Gates will be opened in that city because no evil can enter because God has destroyed all the evil. The way we get to be with God in glory is we do God's will while we're here on this earth. And service to others through love and through Jesus Christ is the way we do that. I promised Roger I'd cut this thing a little short today. And I promised my dad I would not, so I don't know which one to go with. <laughs> but I don't think there's anything else to say. I don't think there's another word that I can give you that's more important than let God do his will in your life so that you serve others so that their lives can be like yours. So, here's my challenge. I challenge each of us, all of us, to make it our mission to love and serve people in our world every day. And I challenge us to start the minute we walk through that door out into the world. It's going to hit you at El Jalisco. It's going to hit you tonight at the supper table. It's going to hit you tomorrow. There will be opportunities for you to serve others. Please take that chance and even if they don't wish for you to do it, you've planted that seed because God did it with you. Help someone up. Lend someone an ear. Make their dreams come true. Rake a yard. 
cook a meal, wash a car, pay someone a visit, tell someone else what a difference they've made in your life. And when the thanks comes your way, don't hesitate to tell them, it was my pleasure. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.